Shalom. Good morning. Uh, I hope I don't need an introduction. Uh, I know most of you, and you probably, most of you know me as well. If not, I have some brochures about uh, our ministry and about us, so get it from me after uh, after this uh, class. Uh, let me give you some updates about uh, what happened in the last months. And you will, uh, you will approximately understand how it all works. In uh, mid-December, we went to back, uh, back to Germany, and uh, I was able to minister in three different countries while there. It was absolutely exciting because besides preaching at our congregation in Berlin, uh, I was also uh, able to participate in a third baptism uh, that we had in our congregation there in the last half a year. I think it's a blessing and it's a huge encouragement to have like every two months a new baptism with several people being baptized. Without me being even full time there, it means that everything works well. So uh, this time I even told them, so you can, you can do it without me being there uh, to do baptism. And, I, and they said, no, you better you better be with us. You better perform that. Anyway, it was very encouraging to see the congregation growing, and we and we started new phase of restructuring of our con, uh, congregation to be even more mature and self uh, self dependent. I mean, on God, but without me being constantly present there. They live pretty well and function and grow and the congregation is prospering with more than 20 fellowships inside of the congregation. As you know, we're, uh, we're a mega church uh, type of congregation for Berlin. We have probably 300 people affiliated with us, uh, 120, 150 people of attendance, but it's uh, the maximum what our room allows to feed. But but you see, for Berlin, with average congregation, and for Germany, average congregation of 30 people, it's a mega church. Uh, besides, nobody is on the paid staff of the congregation. So we have 50 people who are ministering there, but nobody is uh, on the paid staff. It's more like European uh, way of uh, doing things. Uh, it lets us... Uh, it lets us grow in the way uh, it's, uh, it's manageable, it's doable, and uh, make people more involved uh, in everything there. Uh, I was teaching also uh, some uh, in uh, Austria, and uh, we participated uh, we participated Prague in Czechai, uh, in Czech Republic, because there was an international youth uh, or young adults. Messianic conference with messianic uh, young with young adults, messianic believers from all over the world participating in this conference, and for me it was such a joy to come there at least for a short time. 
to fellowship with these young people and even doing recruiting among them for the ministry. It was so enjoyable. One night I arrived like, we arrived like around midnight and you know, young people, immediately we started fellowship. Uh, by two in the morning, uh, I already encouraged two people to join our staff in Germany. Uh, so it was, uh, it was so enjoyable, so, so intensive, so, so effective. And uh, now, being back uh, in Texas since uh, January, what was it, January 8, I'm still involved in what's going on in Germany, like spending probably sometimes six hours a day on the phone or online conference, call, uh, conference calls with our staff in Germany. Because we are restructuring our office, our headquarters in Berlin. We are restructuring our congregation. We are, uh, we are facilitating new unity in our staff. And we, and we do these old staff meetings, office meetings, congregational leadership meetings, all on these online conferences and conference calls. Uh, it's a little bit exhausting uh, for my ears, and I need to change the, uh, you know, the uh, headphones, uh, just because my... Uh, it's a little bit painful after a couple of hours, uh, but it, but then, uh, anyway, it's so effective at this at this moment. We are able to do so much, and we are planning for this year, even in Germany, so many exciting things like eight different uh, training uh, seminars in eight different cities of Germany, training new ministers among Jewish people and training those and training Christians to share the gospel with the Jewish people. And even we plan something in Austria and in Switzerland with the hope to start the ministry there as well. We plan a staff retreat uh, with the families in summer. We plan two, edu two educational conferences for the Messianic leaders. We plan one theological symposium and we plan even one conference for Christians uh, uh, about like Israel conference uh, for Christians besides planting new congregations and uh, establishing ministries in uh, new cities. We plan a uh, trip for Holocaust survivors to, come to visit Germany and to uh, be blessed by the love they can experience in the country that caused so much suffer for the Jewish people. And it's just naming a little of, uh, of projects that uh, we have uh, uh, there. Coming to, to Dallas uh, on January 8th, on January 10, I already left for Houston to teach a class for Dallas uh, seminary there, in their extension there. And it, uh, it was class that I love, ministry in the Jewish context. And in my class, I had three Jewish believers even there. And all three of them decided uh, just considering joining our staff here in United States to minister to the Jewish people. And one is moving to Israel soon in this summer. So with, uh, and we hope to work together with him. So it's just like so many interesting things going on. And then the week, uh, the week, uh, like few days after I came back from Houston, I was flying to Seattle to speak in some Slavic, so Russian and Ukrainian churches there, big churches, I mean big, not as big as uh, Stonebriar, but still 2,500 people. It's, uh, it's relatively big, uh, even for Dallas. But, uh, 
most of these people, they, they still believe that uh, Israel is not the chosen people of God any longer. They still believe that Jew, uh, Jews crucified Jesus and that's why Jesus uh, sort of cursed them or whatever. So I was dealing with very strong, like, inherited anti-Semitism uh, in uh, in these churches. As I was speaking there, I was invited by some people who want to break this spell of anti-Semitism there. And, you know, it was absolute absolutely blessed. I came to, to one church as I came to speak there. They told me, before you enter, you got to take off your kippah. Uh, because you're a sinner, you're, uh, you're entering the church with your head covered. And they said, no, I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to explain you why I'm, uh, why I'm, uh, I'm wearing that. Uh, so I explained briefly in my, uh, in my sermon. If you, uh, if you want to know what I explained, come and visit uh, with me after class. I'm not going to do it uh, uh, right now. But uh, after this, uh, after this, uh, after this service, although most of the leaders they were very suspicious to me, uh, they uh, they were telling uh, telling me how much they enjoyed that. But but the funniest experience was there was one of the pastors who was not uh, during the service there. He came to me after and he said, "You know, you're uh, you're a sinner because you wear it." And, uh, and then other pastors, including senior uh, pastors, started talking to me, to, uh, to him. Have you been during the service here in the sanctuary? He said, no. Oh, he explained everything. We will explain you later. Leave him alone. Don't bother him with all this nonsense. And I was just like, yes. <laughs> and... Uh, and next, uh, and just uh, the day after tomorrow, I'm uh, leaving for a couple days uh, to uh, New York uh, to take part in leadership meetings with Chosen People Ministries there. So I feel just very encouraged by so many things that are going on there. Somebody should ask me about uh, how is my dissertation going. Well, uh, I was not working on that uh, for more than a month because of all this travel. Uh, I, I'm almost done. I mean, really, uh, my first draft is, uh, I'm reading through, uh, through the first draft. Uh, it's, it's written, but I need to read it to make some uh, probably uh, adjustments before I will send it to my professors. Uh, there is a prayer. There is a prayer need. Yesterday, I I started working on that again after a month, uh, and I realized that for whatever reason, my bibliography software program damaged my uh, bibliography database. So, uh, eight hundred forty-two books on my bibliography got mixed up. It was a shock yesterday. So I was, uh, I was devastated. I spent hours trying to fix it, and I'm still in the process of fixing, of fixing it. I don't know how long it will, uh, it will take, but please uh, pray for such things uh, not to happen. Okay, there are many more things going on, uh, but I don't want to take uh, any more time of my, uh, of my teaching, of the teaching for this morning. If you want to know more, read our prayer letters, right? 
So just monthly prayer letter, or uh, if you don't receive prayer letter, leave uh, leave me your name and address or email or whatever, or fill out this card, and uh, you will uh, receive uh, the prayer letters uh, of uh, our family. Uh, just quick, quick, uh, quick. Some other quick requests. Our older daughter, she is graduating the high school this uh, this coming May, and uh, she's praying, and we all praying about her future. So uh, she's considering. Uh, some colleges. She's certain, she definitely, she's determined to stay in the United States and study in the college here uh, because, uh, and she applies to Christian colleges. She wants to study here because here are some Christian co- uh, colleges and she wants to be in a Christian college. So please pray for God's guidance for her. And she certainly, she got accepted to five, col- uh, five universities uh, by now uh, or even by six. So she's getting accepted. She's a good student, uh, has good uh, scores and grades. But she's an international. Uh, she needs a scholarship and, uh, well, we are missionaries. She needs a very substantial scholarship. <laughs> and it requires a miracle. Uh, so if miracle happens, it's a confirmation uh, by God if she will find money for all, uh, for all this. If not, well, <laughs> at least she tried. Anyway, uh, please pray uh, particularly for our older daughter, uh, Elizabeth. She's uh, 18 year, uh, years old. It's Crazy, I can't believe it. She, uh, she teased me that as soon as she turned 18, she became a baby for me. So I started calling her baby, or my baby, <laughs> after she turned 18. I don't know what happened to me. It just, it's, problem. it's a little bit weird. But anyway. Okay, uh, I'm, coming now, uh, I'm coming now to, uh, to the biblical insight that I was willing to share with you this uh, morning. Uh, I'm very glad to be with you. You are you're my probably the most faith, faithful supporters, even in our ministry. Uh, your class is such a blessing since many years already. You pray for us, you support us financially, and we do highly appreciate it. So in everything exciting, what I could ever and can ever share, you are part of it. Seriously. Because due to your prayers and due to your support, we are able to do what God lets us doing. So it's just, seriously, I cannot even find enough words to express my and our deep appreciation of your friendship and your partnering with us uh, in ministry. You are a blessing for us, you as a class and some of you individually, many of you individually, because I know that uh, many of you are praying and partnering with us even uh, individually. But there is another reason this morning that uh, I'm very I'm very happy that I'm with you here. And uh, 
the reason for me to appreciate you even more. And this reason is found in Ephesians chapter 2. I don't know whether you studied the book of Ephesians uh, in your class with uh, Dr. Tussain, uh, but it's very exciting uh, epistle. It's very exciting letter of Paul. So Ephesians chapter 2. In this chapter, Paul says, you are saved by grace, not by works. Because if it would be by works, grace would not be grace. So it's just like uh, you are saved by God's mercy. It's a gift of God. It's his it's his mercy toward us that is not deserved by us. And it doesn't matter what ethnicity, what language, what skin color, uh, what gender. It's his grace. God loves everybody. And then Paul keeps talking about it. And uh, the next thing, he addressed the Gentiles in, uh, in uh, Ephesus. And he says, you were previously separated from all the advantages of the Jewish people. You were separated even from the messianic expectations. You didn't have any hope. But with Jesus, after the Jesus event, everything changed. And I'm reading from verse uh, 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself, our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the divine, uh, dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments con uh, contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man that, that thus establishing peace and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were, near, who were uh, far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, the both have our, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. I love this passage. It's the passage of the unity. We were separated and there was a wall standing between us. A legal wall that was not letting you to join what was promised to the people of Israel. But in Jesus, the wall was turned down and you are able to enter. 
enter into the promises. It reminds me also the olive tree illustration in Romans 11. Maybe you remember this illustration. There is, a, uh, there, uh, there is an olive tree and there are natural branches and there are wild branches or the branches from other trees that were grafted in into this uh, olive tree. Do you remember this illustration? It's beautiful illustration, and uh, I'm pretty sure that this olive tree is Israel. But the Israel that God wants to see, the Israel that God wants uh, Israel actually to be in reality. So, some branches were broken off, and new branches from other trees were grafted in. But then God is going to restore the broken off branches back to this tree to graft these branches back into the tree. This tree in Romans 11, you can look at uh, later if you, if you don't remember this passage. This olive tree consists only of grafted in branches. The olive tree is, I would say, Jewish. It's Israel. But consists only of the grafted in branches. Those, in the future at least, those branches who were broken, uh, who were brought from another trees and grafted in, and those branches who were broken off and then grafted in back into this natural tree. So that's the eschatology. That's the expectation. That's what's going to happen in its fullness in the future. One tree, one new man, one body of the Messiah. Now, we are all one, but still consist of Jews and Gentiles. And this passage in uh, the book of Ephesians, I would say it's sort of the key passage. Verse 16, I'm going to read this uh, verse again. And might reconcile them both, Jews and Gentiles, in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death the enmity. So, might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross. Them both in one body. Now, let me rephrase it a little. Without you as Gentiles, I would never be able to be reconciled with God. I needed you in the divine plan. As a Jew, I needed you Gentiles to be with me in this reconciliation. There is no Jewish reconciliation with God according to the book of Ephesians, without the Gentiles. But notice, there is no reconciliation of the Gentiles without the Jewish people. We essentially need each other in order to be reconciled with God, in order to be saved. There is no salvation of the Gentiles without the Jewish people. There is no salvation of the Jewish people without the Gentiles. 
We need each other. Not just because we are one body. Not just for the sake of unity that is biblical. But also for our salvation. Is it a surprise for you that Jesus is Jewish? No. Uh, there is a question uh, usually asked uh, by Christians, by Jews. Uh, why Jewish people don't believe in Jesus? If Jesus is a Jew, the Jewish Messiah, so many prophecies were fulfilled. Why Jewish people don't believe in Jesus? Any ideas? Any suggestions? Do you know why? Well, there are several reasons. Maybe you think of some reasons and uh, you might be right in your reasons. For example, one of uh, the reasons that in our, in, like in many messianic congregations or in Jewish uh, missions we like to emphasize, one of the reasons is, well, uh, over the centuries, Christians made Jesus to look pretty Gentilish. He's not a Jew for the Jews any longer. I, I don't remember whether I uh, told you uh, be, uh, before that many Jewish people think that uh, Jesus uh, uh, is a Catholic. Do, uh, do you know why? Because Jewish people, uh, when they pass a Catholic church or a Catholic uh, house, sometimes they see there a woman with, uh, with a child uh, uh, standing like a stature. Uh, and this woman is Mary, and she uh, holds a baby Jesus. And, uh, well, in order to be Jewish, you need to have a Jewish mother, right? But the mother of Jesus, she lives in a Catholic church, a Catholic house. She's not Jewish, she's Catholic. Therefore, Jesus is Catholic. Some Jewish people think that John the Baptist was a Baptist. <laughs> Southern Baptist. <laughs> if you're in South. Well, that's one, one, one part of, uh, of, the, of the problem. Jesus became foreign for the Jewish people over 2,000 years. But that's not the only reason. There is even more to that. And another, another reason uh, is, have you read Isaiah 53? Uh, the chapter that predicts, uh, that talks of the Messiah, a very vivid messianic uh, prophecy in the Old Testament, hundreds of years before uh, Jesus came, describing him Taking, our, taking the sin of his people, being, uh, being uh, killed, dying, buried, resurrected, ruling. The entire gospel in one chapter, Isaiah 53. If you never read it, read it. You will be blessed. And by the way, read it to your Jewish friend as well. Or with your Jewish friend as well. Because this chapter really can change your life. 
of every Jewish person. Because the gospel is there hundreds of years before Jesus was born uh, in Bethlehem. But in this chapter, there are several verses dedicated to one particular subject. Uh, Isaiah speaks as a, part of, uh, as a part of the Jewish people. And he says, we didn't believe in him. We turned our face away from him. We disregarded him. He was not attractive to us. So the Jewish people... In this prophecy, they are rejecting the Messiah. Jesus as the Messiah. And when a Jewish person asks me, Jewish, we Jewish people, we don't believe in Jesus. So uh, uh, how could it be that Jesus is the Messiah if the majority of the Jewish people don't believe in him? And I usually respond, that's exactly the proof that Jesus is the Messiah. The fact that the majority of the Jewish people don't believe in him today, it's a proof that Jesus is the promised one. Because if they would believe in him, it would contradict to the prophecy of Isaiah 53. The Messianic prophecy says, Jewish people will not accept him as the Messiah. Here we are. That Jesus. That's his story. And that's another reason. For me it's an evidence. He is the Messiah. For Isaiah it was evidence about the Messiah. For Apostle Paul it was evidence that uh, he is the Messiah. But the Apostle Paul was not happy about this evidence. He was having Sorrow and unceasing grief in his heart. The same as God, by the way. Do you remember, uh, do you remember the passages in the Old Testament? Maybe you read it. That everything what concerns Israel, it's like touching the apple of God's eye. God's eye, says uh, the Lord. And another passage in Isaiah says, I was stretching out my hands to your to you my my people Israel come back but you didn't uh, didn't want to come Jesus was coming to Jerusalem in Luke uh, 19 and he was weeping about Jerusalem because it was breaking his heart to see Jewish people not believing in him that was uh, foretold. It was pr the prophecy, but still it was breaking the heart of Jesus to know that that's the case. And the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 9, and uh, we probably already read these verses with you some time ago, but still, in Romans chapter 9, first three verses, it's written, I am telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in, uh, in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accused, separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites." He was willing to sacrifice himself as Jesus did. 
Seriously, he is speaking, if reading in Greek, he is speaking similar words to what Jesus did for us. He was accused. He was taking the curse. He was accursed for us. And Paul was willing to do the same. If he could, he would go to the cross himself, following the example of his teacher, his rabbi, his Messiah, Jesus. When I speak to, uh, to Christians, especially to those who don't understand God's heart for the, uh, for the Jewish people, and I know you do, but still, I'm talking about a spark of the divine love to the Jewish people in your hearts. As I told uh, last week uh, in Seattle speaking uh, to this church, I said, I hope that today, this morning, you will find a spark of the love of Jesus to the Jewish people. A spark of love that the Apostle Paul had. Because that's the heart of God. That's the heart of Jesus. That's the heart of the Apostle. And if a church doesn't understand the love of God and Jesus to the Jewish people, the church is not capable to understand God's love at all. I mean, to some part, but not completely. The church is not able to read the Apostle Paul properly without understanding his love to the Jewish people and for the, in his desire for the Jewish people to be saved. A church that doesn't care about Jewish missions or sharing the gospel with the Jewish people. This such church doesn't understand the heart of Jesus as it should. You see my point? In order to be saved, the church needs Jewish people. The church is to care for the salvation of the Jewish people. Because Jesus cares. Because the Apostle Paul cared. Because God cares. It breaks his heart to see Jewish people without salvation. What about a church, the church? There is one more reason in, uh, for the Jewish people not to believe in Jesus. And you know that I spoke of this passage. It's, it's a must passage for me to read in, this, uh, in such context. And it's uh, found in uh, Romans 11.11. 11. I say then, they did not stumble so as to fall, he writes about Jewish people. Did they? May it never be, but by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them, Jewish people, jealous. It's another reason for the Jewish people not to believe in Jesus. For the sake of your Salvation. For the salvation of the Gentiles, God sacrificed and offered not just his only son, Jesus. He sacrificed 
his relationship with the Jewish people, with his chosen people, for the sake of the Gentiles. Can you imagine how much he loves you? He offered for you not just Jesus, but also the Jewish people. Next time somebody asks you, why Holocaust? Why did it happen? You can say, one of the reasons is salvation of Gentiles. It may sound strange, but the Jewish people, God set them aside, not entirely, but to the most part, waiting till the Messiah to come back and to pour out his Holy Spirit, as it said in uh, Zechariah chapter 12. He said, they will wait because I I want to save many Gentiles now. It should motivate you to care for salvation of the Jewish people. Particularly because it's your great commission as it's written here to provoke them, Jewish people, to be jealous. Go to Jewish people and talk to them about Jesus. I know that some of you actually have some Jewish roots. I know that some of you have Jewish relatives or in-laws. I know that some of you have Jewish friends or Jewish colleagues or Jewish neighbors. Talk to them. Pray for them. Try to make them jealous. Tell them, your Messiah blessed me. Your Messiah forgave all my sin. Your Messiah gave me quality new life that will never end. Your Messiah means the world for me and I'm so happy to be with your Messiah. Do you know your Messiah? His name is Jesus. Tell him something like that. Tell them something like that. Try to provoke them to be jealous. Do something. Don't stay indifferent. In uh, Romans chapter 10 verse 1 it's written. Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them, for the Jewish people, is for their salvation. Pray for the Jewish people and I know you do. And it's easy for me to talk to you in this, uh, in this class, to the Marathon Fellowship. Because I know you love Jewish people. I know you care. So... It's easy and enjoyable task to talk to you. It's just a reminder. I'm trying to encourage you again and again. Talk to the Jewish people you know about Jesus. Share the gospel. If you want to know more about that, we are planning seminars here. I'm planning seminars, uh, like uh, short seminars and a little bit longer seminars, a set of seminars, how to effectively share the gospel with your Jewish friend. And now, I want to give you an opportunity uh, to, uh, to get updated about these seminars and to be invited for, the, uh, for such seminar. And with Ryan, we, uh, we discussed that we, um, that we are going to have a cards uh, for you to write your name and email if you want telephone number. And we will contact you uh, in a couple of weeks, letting you know about some 
options for the, for the seminars for you to attend and to learn more and to learn how to answer Jewish objections and uh, to learn how to share the gospel and to discuss these issues more. So if you are interested, if you have Jewish friends and want to learn more about that, please uh, raise your hand now and try and have has a card, uh, uh, card for you uh, to write your name and address. So please, uh, or not just Ryan, several of, uh, of our good brothers have it. So please hold your, uh, hold your hand and you will get this card. And please get this card uh, back to me after uh, just a couple of minutes. I'm about to conclude now. But uh, you see, uh, for two years, I put on hold uh, uh, the attempts of uh, there, uh, there, Jerry, there is another hand. Yeah, I put on uh, on uh, Ryan. There is a hand in the back. Uh, I put on hold some plans uh, of uh, doing like social outreach events uh, for Jewish people and doing uh, and teaching Christians uh, how to share the gospel with the Jewish people. Now we are relaunching that in Dallas, and I want to be part of this new emerging outreach that we're about to do here in Dallas. And please keep it in uh, your prayers as well. We are one, and we need each other in many respects, but particularly for the salvation. God loves all people, but he loves Gentiles today even more. Sounds crazy, isn't it? But he loves you so much that he offered not just his sacrifice, not just his son, but he cost himself a tremendous pain by setting Jewish people aside for you to be saved, but for you to bring Jewish people back to their Messiah. Bring Jesus back to the Jewish people. Bring him home to his people. And thank you for your love and prayers. Thank you for being here. And thank you for staying in this class. It's the most blessed, blessed Sunday school class I have ever experienced in my life. And I do mean it. I'm not trying to be like suddenly polite. I do mean it. I love you. God loves you. And Jesus is the greatest. Amen. Let's pray. Avino, our Father, we are so grateful for your love and your mercy. We are so grateful for your grace. We are so grateful for Jesus, for the Messiah of Israel, who came in fulfillment of the prophecies and was crucified, died, rose from the dead, gave, his, gave this Holy Spirit, seats in heaven on the throne of God, rules even today, and changes the lives. You changed my life, 
It changed the lives of most of us here in this room. And we are grateful. We are thankful. We praise you for the eternal life, for the life with you. We praise you for your kingdom. And we anticipate and eagerly expect your kingdom to arrive and be with us in its fullness. We praise you for the prophecies that were fulfilled in Jesus so far. And we are looking forward to the rest of the prophecies to be fulfilled in the future to come. We praise you that you are at work even today and we ask you to touch the hearts of the Jewish people, particularly in Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And use us, all of us, for the salvation of your chosen people Israel, as well as for the salvation of everybody. Because the gospel is the power of God for salvation for everybody who believes. The Jew first, but also to all people God loves. And we pray for all of this in the precious name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. Amen.